This is Coda Radio, episode 551 for January 3rd, 2024. Well, hey there. Welcome on in to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. Still cleaning this place up from the holiday parties. My name is Chris and joining us every single week. It's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Me so happy to be back in 2024. Oh, no. I thought we had the contract expire in 2023 for this guy. Misa got great union manager. Jeez. I don't understand how you can keep getting jobs, but the rest of us... Oh, my goodness. Jar Jar, can you get Mike on? We got a show today. We got... Jar Jar, <laughs> Jar Jar, Jar, Jar go, go back in your cage. It's okay. Man, it's just started the year off with the wrong foot on that one. Tell you what. That's how, you know, th- this, right, what just happened, that right there is our groundhog having its shadow moment. Although it's for us, it's Jar Jar. When Jar Jar comes on the show, that means you're going to have six more months of a wild economy that's going to just be crazy for the show. That's what, huh. that's what, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I just think it's true. Like, it's going to be, I'm looking at it right now. It's going to be a wild year. And I think that was our sign. I feel like you can't blame Jar Jar for that one. I, you know, he's, he's made some mistakes, but I don't know, man. Really? I think it's uh, it's not that it's Jar Jar's fault. It's that it's sort of like the sign. It's like why it's not necessarily the groundhog's fault that winter is longer. And yet seems to be the way things work. Uh, OK, so just here's what I'm here's what I'm going on about. All right. I got like I just got four top hits for you as we enter the new year right now. Apple is halting sales of its watch S9 and Ultra 2 in the U.S., um, because a presidential review period is in progress because there's a patent dispute over the blood oxygen sensor. And they had to basically start this process during the holiday season. I'm sure Apple pushed as far as they could. Adobe, just before Christmas, had to announce they were giving up on their $20 billion acquisition of Figma because the EU and the UK regulatory bodies just would not approve it. They were just blocking it. U.S. senators have made calls to investigate Apple over the whole Beeper Mini situation. Uh, And they have sent a letter to the DOJ asking the law enforcement body to investigate whether Apple is potentially behaving in an anti-competitive way against Beeper and if they're violating U.S. antitrust laws. And X, Weapon X, is being investigated, number four, is being investigated by the EU over potential Digital Services Act violations, i.e. X is held accountable for harmful and illegal content that is on the platform. And... um, they need to have transparent moderation algorithm algorithms out there for everybody to review. And all four of these that I just that I just quick hit you with are all happening right here at the start of the year as things just begin to cook up. It is the year of thoughtfulness, trust, and safety. <laughs> what a banger it's gonna be. What a banger. Now now one of those, I gotta say, one of those things was not like the other though, right? Uh which one would that be? I'm gonna go with the Justice Department being asked to investigate the beeper thing. There's there's no there there. I mean, it's yeah, mostly because like we may have some spicy things to say about the EU, but they actually do. Right. For instance, Apple's adopting RCS basically because of the EU. Apple adopted USB-C because of the EU. I mean, you got to give it to them when it comes to forcing large corporations to do things that they would otherwise not want to do around interoperability. The EU does have some teeth, but. Apple, I think, has done a pretty good uh, Kakashi here by just adopting RCS to satisfy the EU. And 
I think the Justice Department's going to be very busy this year. I just have a feeling, and it's not going to be antitrust. Also, we should mention uh, the batting average of Lena Khan uh, and the other, you know, uh, regulatory folks trying to enforce antitrust in the states. Not, not good. <laughs> like they've they've not been winning super much. So, wouldn't it be interesting if all four of these? Uh, the the companies won, and it's weird for me to be. Well, I guess the Adobe one's already over, but it's weird for me to be in this position and be rooting for the big rich corporation. Never in my life have I ever been in this position, but some of this feels like really kind of overreach stuff, like X being investigated by the EU for things that people post on there. And I, you know, I know. I know people go on there and they get their feelings hurt and they see misinformation or they see disturbing stuff and they get upset. But, you know, I've been using Twitter since it was a cell phone thing and just over SMS. And, in fact, technically I was using Twitter when it was a podcast platform before they decided to make a Twitter. I was using it then. And it's always been true since those very early days that Twitter very much has been what you make it. And it doesn't really matter if... Jack is the CEO or Elon, at the end of the day, it's kind of just what you make of it. Now, there is obviously exceptions and edge cases to that. But on a whole, I just I find it kind of wild that we're going to really go down this path because this leads ultimately to the end of free speech on the web. Yeah, I mean, it does. I You know, so I have some. I have some elephant and donkey bacon here. Oh boy, that's some whoa, stinky <laughs> stuff, dude. That some is gamey meat. Some gamey meat. Uh, you know, there is a little tiny. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's like a class election coming up, like at a local high school in November. I feel like if that election goes the way that I think it probably will go, a lot of these concerns and this kind of, uh, to be honest, pearl clutching will subside. Now, if if uh, if the elephant wins, then uh, I can't even imagine what the response is going to be. Right? Like it'll be total hair on fire panic. But I, I I'm having cause I keep reading these like think pieces and like these op eds in the Times and stuff about you know this trust and safety misinformation blah 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 blah. And it, I mean, some of them just explicitly come out with it. Right? It's like it's about the election. Like it's so I don't know. I well, okay, wait a minute. So your donkey bacon is. That all of this AI pearl clutching is about the is about the election ultimately. Even I say in a, the EU, a, a even lot. In the... Yeah, even in the EU, I say a lot of it is about the election. Oh, I like this. Okay, I mean, if Biden wins, they'll calm down, right? And if Trump wins, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think. I mean, I grant you, a lot of things that aren't about, that don't seem about Trump on their face do tend to be about politics and about Trump, and it's especially during election year. So, I mean, you're not totally crazy. You might be right. But I feel like it's bigger than Trump. I feel like it is – they're looking at this, and I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Altman went around and just kind of set the context. I think they're looking at this as it's the internet all over again. And that's why they keep talking about how it's going to disrupt jobs and they keep talking about misinformation because the internet, the internet disrupted jobs, and the internet has been a haven, as they would see it, for misinformation. And I think the way they look at it, because we have a lot of old folks that are still in charge, they're the same folks that were around when Al Gore invented the internet. 
And I think they're looking at it as we missed our opportunity to properly control this thing. Like we do cable television, like we do satellite radio, like we do terrestrial radio. We missed our opportunity to properly monitor this thing. Not for malice, not for not for bad intentions, but because this is the role of the federal government. And, you know, this is probably the same sentiment in other governments because they're all very self-important. And they look at the situation as with, with AI, they look at the situation as another opportunity Another crack at that nut. And they have another chance to get it right this time and make sure that the safety and the information is great, just like like they would for all other types of commerce that are happening in their little economies. And that's all their real concern. Now, I grant you some of the folks in there are probably very much political actors, but I think this is just the generic inertia of government when they see a new technology like this come along and something that could have widespread widespread influence and potential. They think this is our chance to get it right this time. But what is right? Think about the tasks they're setting up for themselves. Every platform is going to have to have some department of improper thought or something like that and regulate everything, you know, my crazy liberal and my crazy uh, conservative aunties post on Facebook and decide is that just like, like, is it harassment if like auntie, you know, democratic auntie's like conservative auntie's a bad mom? Like where does it stop? You're signing yourself up for an impossible task if you if you say you're going to do this. Mm, um, yeah, and I, I think you're – I think something that would – to kind of underscore what you're saying is – and maybe this is where my analysis has just fallen short – is what isn't being abused by the current political party – could be abused by a future political party. Well, think about this. We get a hardcore kind of evangelical leaning government in there and they're like, you know what? We don't like these things that we find socially uh, uh, unacceptable, right? So we've decided we're going to lay off the, you know, crunchy anti-vax moms and we're going to just lean into the things that are like non, you know, traditional. And we're going to make Facebook put you know, warnings and lower them in the algorithm. It, it it feels like the worst game of tabletop tennis with people's opinions. When I, I have a little more faith in people to not be idiots. You know, we always get pushback when we say that. I know. That, that always triggers folks. But here's but, what, here's a new argument. Here's a new take on it. Okay. We've all been watching YouTube now for a while and we've seen how they've been auto labeling like disclaimers. My mom has a very adorable small, little, independent YouTube channel that she and her theater friends produce. Adorbs. And they do, like, skits. And one of the skits talked about something to do with the weather. It was, like, it was just a throwaway line in the skit. The YouTube bot labeled that as climate change misinformation and put, like, a climate change disclaimer and demonetized her video, which is the only way these this little theater group's going to make any revenue, demonetized the video because there was a joke in there. It wasn't a skit about climate change. It right. wasn't even like a anti-climate whatever. You know, they weren't like uh, attacking climate justice. It was just like something about the weather. But the thing can't really properly identify the context. And so it mislabels and punishes them. And honestly, they were all kind of demotivated by the entire thing. And there's nothing they can do about it. There's no it. recourse, right? You're talking to a Python script. Yeah. Here's my new question. Okay, so most of the audience, you know, I don't know where you feel, but we, we, when, we, when we talk about how we should just put everything out there and let people make up their own minds, take in the information and, let, and trust their intelligence, we always trigger people. So here's the new take on the question. Do you have more faith in your own human beings around you than you do these stupid Python scripts that have been screwing up for the last couple of years? Since the last election, 
We have had this on every video everywhere. We've had multiple platforms that are labeling content. And in my opinion, being on all of these, monitoring these very closely, watching the trends, the best one of the batch is Twitter. It's the community notes. That's the best context and best corrections and the most accurate out of all the systems out there. All the other ones get it wrong constantly. I just got an episode last week. I just got an episode of Linux Action Show flagged out of nowhere. Really? It's been up there for a decade. And it just got flagged for something because they've like they've updated their scraper and they went back and found a 13-year-old video of mine and then wrote me a nasty email about it. It's stupid. And so my question is, do you have more faith in your in your fellow man and human being than you do these label systems and the people that run these that inevitably get corrupt? Because I, I just like, where do you think this ultimately goes? It feels like we're having a conversation of idealism, like we should be able to have people that are trustworthy, that can review content and it can determine real truth and label things as such. That's that thing we should have. That'd be great to have. But we don't have that. What we have is political groups, political actors that pretend to be havens of truth and information labeling things. Which system can you really trust in? One is organic and evolutionary and messy, and that's trusting in your fellow human, and the other is led by a group of people who are following incentives that do not align with what their actual job is supposed to be. And we see it over and over again. And I'm just, my question is, okay, which system can you trust more? To me, it seems like let people have the information and sort it out themselves. Ultimately, there will be groups of people that come and sift through that information and become consensus makers. I, it just is what always happens. I, or do you trust these these systems that are powered by AI, these brand safety systems or whatever? It's just nuts to me. Oh, it, it's also, you know, I, I would, we should probably leave this here, but I'll just ask the, yeah, the right. rhetorical question. Gets me all worked up. Yeah, you know, I mentioned that it was stupid of, uh, of Google to allow a jury trial last episode. Okay. Do you, listener, who thinks that Chris and I are crazy, believe that a person should be tried by a jury? Because if you do, you are potentially trusting someone's life, their livelihood, their family. Uh, really, you're giving 12 random people that happen to live in the same county massive amount of power over this person's life. And they could rule for all kinds of crazy reasons. They could vote any way they want, right? You know, the judge's instructions are often not followed. And that's 12 randos. So you, you, I'm going to assume that most people listening to this are saying, well, of course, a jury for peers. But you don't trust those same peers to go on Facebook and see like crazy aunt's post and just say, oh, wow, she's being crazy again. I mean, it seems it seems a little dumb um, if you follow the logic of that, you know, these misinformations or these potential biases and prejudices or whatever have to be controlled and people have to be protected from them online, then you have to basically redo fundamental parts of society with the premise that actually the average person cannot be trusted to make rational decisions. I think you make a great point. And the question there is, then, well, what about voting? Yeah, that would be my next one, right? Like, and now you're just going to start talking about tests for voting, and I can, right? You you go to a very dark place, right? Once you decide that people cannot be trusted to hear something well, that might be stupid. what you need is you need a trust trust and safety board that reviews elections and determines which people are too dangerous to vote and which people are safe and allowed to vote, and you know, then it's fine, right? It's fine. What's wrong with that? What could go wrong with that, Mike? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right? Like, it, we're, we're being a little absurd here, but if you think about it, the, the logical extension of the argument, and Chris points it out great, it's an absurd and, frankly, it's a highly uh, pessimistic argument. So Yes. Oh. Well, I don't think we have a sponsor, but uh, we always appreciate Boost. New podcast. We did not anymore after that one. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, You can become a member at coderqa.co. Yeah. Yeah. Community support's much appreciated right now. Welcome to the new year, everybody. So you spent a lot of last year, I imagine, getting, well, first, I I suppose, reintroduced or introduced to the whole world of Unreal and then immersing yourself and then having to kit out and build out a workflow. Um, I'm just curious. How that's gone, I'd like to reflect on that with you. And uh, I guess if you wouldn't mind just telling me what what it was like kind of getting back into that. Switching from like I would imagine a completely different set of tooling, different operating systems. (laughs) That must have been a switch. It has been a journey. Uh, You know, it continues to be a journey. It's, you know, it was a lot tougher than I had anticipated. Uh, Maybe we should take a step out. Unreal for folks who don't know is a game engine. I imagine all of you know it by now, but. That's fine. It's a game engine that makes like AAA big 3D games. I've been working on it to try to implement some things for the folks at Alderaan and iOS for Path of Titans. Um, I, you know, it is its own world. Yeah, it's, I bet. I it's bet. kind of like, you know, you say, oh, I'm doing iOS development. Let me just whip out some Objective-C here. It's like, well, actually, there's an unreal way to do that. And, you know... It's hard for me to describe the scope and the size of this engine. It's just gigantic. It covers everything from, you know, iOS to the Nintendo Switch to Xbox, uh, all of the Xboxes, right, to the Playstations. And this is a little spicy. I think it definitely has a Windows orientation to it, where, like, syntax highlighting didn't... I still can't get it working right on Xcode for some reason. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's got to have been their primary customer base for a long time. So to the point when we'll talk about this in a little bit that I ended up buying a, a Dell tower to to just kind of like, you know, one of one of the big challenges of this is the code base that I'm working on was is so huge. It's just it was huge that the compile times were measured in, in some cases hours and the development cycle that I'm very used to is kind of more of a, you know, right. We used to talk about coding on a MacBook Air. I'm used to quick, quick feedback loops. You build it throw in some breakpoints, check out the local variables, watch, rinse, repeat until you come to glory. That is just not a viable development lifestyle in this, where you'll go days or weeks without actually getting anything done because, one, the build can fail for all kinds of weird, like, esoteric reasons. You have to, like, cook the assets, which is just a a thing Unreal does to make the graphics actually show up in the game and visible to the engine, um, which itself is another process that takes a long time. You you really have to also adopt a mindset of even though like you're you're supposed to be doing iOS development, you're really not. You're doing Unreal Dev, and it's just there are so many cases where, and this is what I found particularly frustrating, where it's almost always right to just try to do things the Unreal way. Except there are still cases where Apple is a pain in the ass especially around stuff like browsers and, you know, entitlements. It sounds like platform versus platform almost. It, it, it almost is, right? And you do have to drop into the Objective-C, and you, but you then have to be, like, extremely careful that you did not break, you know, like, 
throw in some Objective-C somewhere that you didn't uh, cordon off with a Pragma mark and break everybody else's build. So, it, yeah, it's it's been tough. It's been also strange having to use beefy hardware, but I'm kind of in awe about how well-designed the engine codebase itself is and how it's worth it, I think, just to kind of like look at a few modules in Unreal and just read them and say, this, if you think about the scope of the problem they're trying to solve, right? They're trying to basically make an engine that's powerful enough to run on tier one consoles, but also port down to like Android phones. And they have done just a lot for that. They, uh, if you're familiar with Unity, uh, Unreal is less of a WYSIWYG kind of scene editor thing. It does have one, but you are writing C++ for the most part. Uh, you can write C Sharp. But what I've been doing, it's been C++. So it feels much more like straight development than like doing a Unity project. They do have something called Blueprints, which is like a drag and drop kind of WYSIWYG thing. Other people could write it and tell us more about that. I haven't done anything with that. I've just been living in C++ Objective-C land. And damn, it is like just the idea of having to... Like I haven't had to compile something that took three hours... Uh, in years before this. I would also uh, say the same, except for I've been using really old hardware recently. Mm, mm. And uh, some of the applications are not available for this hardware, so I have to build them from source. And uh, yeah, man, I'm talking like all-night builds. It's oh, yeah. it's real work. It's real work again. You know, it's web apps and mobile apps and stuff. That's just no sweat for modern hardware. No sweat, right. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you could be playing music, watching a YouTube video at the same yeah. time. This is like, oh, so my MacBook is basically pegged. Great. Yep. Yeah, I would, you know, if you're interested at all in game development or anything, it, it's worth it to, like, watch some YouTube tutorials. I, I mean, I am by no means an Unreal expert. I'm basically, you know, doing the iOS patch and help stuff where, where, uh, where I'm asked to. But... The things that can be made in this engine, like somebody just made a Zelda movie in it, like a yeah. remake of it's it's just super powerful. Yeah, I'm also uh, it's this remake thing seems to be big. Uh, they need these need to come to market. Yeah, somebody remade the Ocarina of Time and it looks incredible. And they did it sort of with a cell shaded look. It looks amazing. Somebody also remade Red Dead Redemption with the Unreal Engine Five. It's fan creation, but it's just absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. Honestly, you could take some classic games that people love, remaster them with Unreal Engine 5, and buy them, people would buy them again. <laughs> I'd do it. It's so impressive, too, how they've... I mean, you're talking in the gaming context, but there's this whole Hollywood context. Oh, yeah. You know, like you and I, we, we harp on Discovery, but those live video walls that they use for, like, the different scenes and whatnot, or, or Strange New Worlds does this, too, right, with the engineering set and others. That's unreal. It's real. I mean, it's unreal. And it's really there in the room on those big giant walls. And they're rendering those in real time with animation and the smoke and like in the case of Strange New Worlds, the pulse of the, you know, engines and all of that. That's all being done in real time with Unreal. And when the camera moves, the background re-renders in real time to make the perspective right. It's incredible what they're doing now where it's gotten so good and it looks so accurate. Hollywood's using it now for real time set creation. It's, it's, it is its own thing. So it's no wonder that it's a massive beast. We should get to the hardware, actually. We should get to the hardware. I just want just one more thing. It's also very humbling to actually work on something where I, where I basically was like 
very like like no unreal knowledge basically right so having to like make all the dumb newbie mistakes and not just like walking in and writing yet another giant python application or an objective c app was a humbling experience <laughs> so i i knew this was coming um because i'd seen some screenshots i think you'd made a couple teases on air i knew you were going to be getting a beast and I, I didn't sit right with me but I knew you were also getting it to run Windows. I know you were really seriously considering a Thaleo and then putting Windows 11 on the Thaleo, but it sounds like you didn't go that direction. I didn't go that direction because I was actually able to take advantage of a Black Friday season deal at Dell. Um, that was just, frankly, an offer I couldn't refuse. It was just, The price was too good. Is the price I'm seeing on the page the price you paid? Uh, no, that's the base model. That is not the price I paid. I paid... I think it was uh, a little under 5000 This thing is a hell of a machine. Uh, the Precision 7865 from Dell, Ryzen Threadripper, Radeon Graphics, and then I'm, I'm guessing you just sort of upped everything. <laughs> I just upped everything, right. That, that, that was, yeah, you could, you could buy this machine for under $2,000 yeah. uh, if you didn't go crazy with it. But no, I mean, the big thing I needed was the Threadripper because that, you just looking at my my poor MacBook Pro with this just puny M1 Max. I mean, come on, uh, how sad, how sad that is. It was the CPU that was almost 100% of my bottleneck, and it was recommended to me by the Alderon folks that uh, the way to go is Threadripper if you can get it. Yeah, if you can get it though. Quantities are challenging with their certain models of the Threadrippers, which I thought we were done with that issue, but apparently not. Am I seeing this right? Does this Precision 7865 have awesome removable drive sleds on the front of it? It sure does. I haven't seen this in years. These, I love these. And it comes with a way to, so you can mount uh, M2 drives or you can mount, you know, traditional uh, 7200 drives. Oh, that's great for a system like this because you could have just, you know, different disks with different OSs on there or different project disks in the second slot. I... I have been wanting PCs to bring this back. I was literally talking to the boys off air recently uh, after a LUP about how my PCs had this and how much I missed this. Well, I should mention one of the config options is uh, Ubuntu for this. Oh, good for them. Okay. Yeah. So, right. yeah, yeah, I went with, for the drives, I went with, uh, for one of the removable ones, it's a two terabyte NVM drive. I wanted to go four, but Dell's markup... Uh, yeah. I don't know if they've been browsing <laughs> Apple's website recently, <laughs> yep. but their their markup on storage was really stupid. And I'm like, I could literally slide this out myself. And or honestly, I have like three other drive pays. I could just throw another one in. Right. So I went for with a four terabyte spinning drive, 7200. That is basically for, you know, like documents and steam or whatever. The RAM I stuck at 128. It can go up to 256. Yeah, but again, Dell's upgrade pricing versus like going to Newegg was kind of dumb. Twelve gigabyte Nvidia card. I that's where I kind of cheaped out. It's on the Nvidia card because those GPU prices are still a little too rich for my blood. Yeah, and it sounds like CPU is really what you need, and CPU is what I need. Right. Ironically, that so, you're working on an Unreal project, but it's CPU that you need. Well, if you think about it, because it's compiling a game and linking yeah. a bunch of SDKs. So, Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. no, I'm not doing the art for the project. I'm sure the designers like are doing everything on the GPU, right? Sure, it matters a lot for them. I'm sure it matters a lot. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting rig. It it kind of it, it's got a nostalgia feeling for me because it's 
you know, man, they've even got that nice little hook thing that Dell does where you can just like press the button on the side and the whole case just opens up. Back when you were like supposed to be able to get inside the computer. Right. And they know you're going to be keeping this for a while and upgrading it. So I, uh, I'm, I'm happy with it so far. It does get very hot. Oh, like yeah. I can note, I have it under, I have two desks in my office. I have it under the other desk and it, my, my toes are not, noticeably toasty when I'm compiling things. That's interesting. Cause they, uh, they do promote, like they, they kind of like, as one of the features, they say it has a patented advanced thermal technology to help keep your system running. Well, I think it just blows it all out. It yeah. blows it all <laughs> right? out both yeah, It's sides. got a fan system. <laughs> it's got a fan in the front and the back. And it's just, yeah. it's quiet though, which is nice. But it's, it's, That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Windows 11, which I, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, just getting it to understand that I don't want to use OneDrive and I will never want to use OneDrive. You don't necessarily need Cortana or nothing. You don't need all that stuff, do you? Just Yeah, I want all the CPU power. Yeah, exactly. So it needs, they, they honestly should, maybe they do now, but they honestly should have like a development mode or working or production yeah. mode or something because people that are doing video production don't want that crap going either. They don't want that crap either, yeah. But Windows 11 is okay. You know, I'm, PowerShell, I will say PowerShell 7, their love of cloning the Linux commands makes it very usable for me. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I so I also installed WSL and Penguin uh, from White Foundry, which is kind of my go-to uh, WSL distro. And it's a really kind of kick-ass dev station. XCOM has never looked better. <laughs> Magic Arena's running great. I mean, oh, it gets you with the gaming. Although, come on, that's great on Linux now too. But yeah, I bet you. I, I mean, I'll make a prediction. I bet you by the end of the year that things run on Linux. <laughs> that's very possible. I mean, or, or I honestly just go out on like an Amazon Lightning deal or a new egg sale, buy another NVMe drive, and just slap a Ubuntu on it. That's right? the thing. That's what I love about those removable drives. Yeah, that's like that seems like a killer rig, though. It, yeah, no, the price was. I was uh, kind of surprised at the so much so that I ended up looking up the the processor. Like, is this like some shitty thing where they put Threadripper on it, but it's not a Threadripper? Because <laughs> you know, remember, like, who used to do that? Was it? Uh, oh man, it could still happen. You know, like some of the Intel chips will have some features just randomly missing. Well, there, well, there's always the Intel generations where you have to watch because it turns out that like the new generation sucks for certain things compared to the old one. Like the all the i7s are not made. Fun fact, they're not equal, all the i7s. Yeah, and not all, even the i3s, like some of them, it's like some of them even support ECC and some of them don't. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah but this, this kind of shenanigans, I feel like it's been going on forever. Back in the good old days of AMD K6s and, and the Intel P3. Voodoo and cards. They started just really yeah. getting product differentiated and kind of shenanigans sneaks in. And all of a sudden you end up, you're right, you'll get something mislabeled. It's it's basically just like a rebadged chip. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Oh, the one upgrade I didn't put in here that I did was uh, I upgraded the networking card to be a two point five gig. That's me having way too much faith in my ISP and hoping that they have a higher service come out in the next year or two. Yeah, but then you got to get a new switch too. You know, like it's fine. Stuff. I don't care. It's worth it. I got yeah. We have too too many kids in this house streaming too many things. I know, right? Tell me about it. Yeah, everything they do now. Is like a megabit at least, yeah. If not more, it's a baseline. Sometimes it's more, just con- consistent megabit each device. Yes, oh, but wired into Ethernet on this one, and it, yeah, it, 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 th- this really is my throwback machine. I'm on the Ethernet. You can open it up. You can upgrade it. Swappable drives. It's great, isn't it? 
RAM that's not soldered into the motherboard? Who would have thunk it? Or honestly, just not having to plug everything in through USB-C. Oh, you, you don't like daisy-chaining Thunderbolt? <laughs> it's nice to have, but man, I tell you what, my main workstation here at the studio now for the last year has been just an old desktop that I refurbed by putting a bunch of parts in it and, you know, just beefed it up and then hooked up a bunch of monitors, wired keyboard, just really traditional and a bunch of discs. And it's great. It's really solid. It, laptops are great, but we really got it right with the workstation. The, 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 the PC workstation is a special kind of product that should continue to be celebrated. And uh, I think more people should, in, in the workspace should be switching from laptops to workstations when they can because it's a better experience. I totally agree. On my MacBook Pro, I'm having an issue where I'm almost full on the storage, the two terabytes of storage. And there is absolutely nothing I can do about that other than like routinely delete things. If you get something that you don't want to store on the cloud that's really private or maybe it's really valuable and you're going to store it on a computer, you start thinking about like, well, what do I do if this thing has a failure? If a laptop has a failure, it's kind of glued together at this point. I'm really kind of just going to be dependent on a technician at a store. Right. If a workstation has a failure... You pop that one button, your side panel comes off, you can boot off of a USB thing, you can you can unplug drives, you can remove graphics, re, you know, you can troubleshoot, you can swap components, you have rescue operations you can perform for your mission critical, whatever it is. And it's just having that optionality even. Just having that optionality makes me trust a workstation more than I can trust a laptop or say a phone. Yeah, there's more ways to recover it, too. And you're not necessarily knocked on your back like a turtle if there is a problem. So this is where I get in trouble. I wish Apple would, like, make something like this that wasn't $20,000. Well, yeah. Because it doesn't need to be. It just it shouldn't be that much money. I've got, you know, an old Intel Mac Pro, one of the, like, the second gens or third oh, gens. Yeah. It's just sitting around. I'm not using it for anything. It's not even plugged in, but it's a great machine. Like, same thing, you know, one latch, side panel falls right off. Here's my expansion ports, my PCI. It's this weird thing called PCI. Um, you know, here's my SATA ports. It's um, It was clean, but ex- expandable and really kind of modular in a way that we just don't build them anymore. We don't build them like that anymore. We've decided that, I don't even know. We just, I guess, I guess we're... We really are in this age of like disposable dev machines. You're edge casing, man. You're edging here. I am edging, right? Like, like, okay. So, so yeah, sure. If there's no more like you and real work for me to do anytime soon, this machine, I mean, I feel like I spent so much money on it. I would have to just become like a WSL guru at that point. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to specialize in unreal work for another couple of years. <laughs> yeah, something. I mean, or I will be, I will be, uh, writing the fastest Python extensions for yeah. Alice yeah. that are that are all blazingly fast on my machine. And then we go up to the poor Docker containers that we deploy things on. It's like, oh, no, you don't have 128 gigs of RAM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you'll find uses, but yeah, it's yeah. I think that's the problem. And that's why fewer and fewer companies. But I think this thing is looking really slick. I, I think it's this and the Thaleo for me if I'm ever getting a workstation. These are the two to compare. Thaleo is great. Yeah, it was great. The only, the only one of the things that uh, turned me this way was the just ridiculous sale. It was one of those things where they let you use a sale and they email you those coupons all the time. So I got to stack it, which is nice. Because uh, their their top line price for this was like eighty eight hundred. So, <laughs> but they are more expensive, of course. If they were more common, yes, 
You know, if people were buying more workstations, these prices might not be so outrageous. Well, and I did buy the three years you come to my house and fix it warranty. Oh, dude, that's such a luxury for, a, you know, that's as a businessman, you know, it's a luxury. I had that once when I used to run Dell's and it was, remember those old like crappy tacky keyboards with the, with, like the rubber underneath them? Yeah. Yeah. It broke on me. The guy was there in two hours and it was, he, it was like watching a surgeon. He just cracked it open, put a new keyboard and booted it up. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm leaving. Well, you know, with the workstation, he could actually swap out a component. Yeah. And get you back up and going again. Whereas with a laptop or something, he's probably just going to swap the whole machine. You're going to have to restore all your data, set stuff back up again. Download Visual Studio. See, this is what I'm saying. 2024 should be the year we save the workstation. Make make workstations great again, I say. You know what? I just want to say it. Mac Studio, there should be like a Mac Studio Pro or something. Yeah. That is maybe a little girthier, a little fatter, but... Just a couple, no, yeah, just a couple like, of things you can upgrade, right? A couple of discs, maybe put some more RAM in there yourself. Even if it's just like SSD and RAM. Yeah. Although then Apple doesn't get those juicy, juicy upgrade margins. But but they'll sell some, I mean, I don't know, man. I'll tell you what, if you could buy a bare bones Mac Studio, uh, you know, maybe it's like a little bit taller and you could, maybe it's got one PCI slot, RAM, and a couple SD cards you could put in there. You're going to buy a few of those if you can buy them bare bones and then upgrade them. It just seems like a good strategy, but not one they're interested in because when they went to the M series SOC, they really leaned all in on completely integrated. Yeah. You know, that that's all that Ram it's all in part of it. It's just, I think the direction they're going for a while now, I don't know, maybe they'll surprise us this year and they'll change that. But I think it's going to be years until we see them start breaking that stuff up again. I think it's going to be years. And I, I'm, I don't even know if it's really realistic. Oh, it'll happen. You think they'll break it up again? Long term, long term. Yeah. I, I guess the question is, how's the Mac Pro selling? You know, the reason why I think they'll eventually end up kind of separating it back out again is because computers started this way. And just the realities of wanting to have different components at different speeds and, and upgrading and all, it just sort of forced us to modularize it again. We didn't design it that way initially. We kind of ended up that way as sort of solving problems. And I wouldn't be, I mean, who knows, but I wouldn't be too surprised if we just don't repeat that cycle again, and as oh, time goes on, you see him kind of breaking it up a little bit. Maybe the memory becomes a little more user serviceable and the disk and stuff like that. Maybe. I mean, even if we got back to like the iMac where it used to be, you could there was that little RAM drawer, right? You could at least <laughs> upgrade the RAM. I mean, because it, it, you know, these these types of machines are a big investment, and yeah, yeah, like I could tell you, files are big. That's all I'm going to say. Files are very big. It, we've got an older iMac. I mean, it's it's unfortunately it's just kind of getting too long in the in the, in the blue teeth now. But it fully functional screen works. Everything works. Just the hard drive died. It was like one of the last Macs, and we bought we bought it used. One of the last Macs they sold was spinning rust. Oh wow! Yeah, the spinning rust died. So we you know I looked at what it takes to go through that machine and replace that disc, and you have to go through the monitor to get to the disc on that one. Oh, yeah, you yeah. got to get like the suction thing. Yeah. Yeah. And break the glue and you know remove the screen carefully and not busting the wires and then remove the board and all of that just to get to the disc, just to have a Mac that's going to be supported for another year. And it will never be the same once you attempt that, even if you succeed. It's it just like if, you, if you're going to be the world's best design company and you know, you're going to claim to do all this crap for the environment, and you're going to pay for me to charge my Apple Watch in some sort of weird nebulous carbon tax, then maybe you could have a slot ejects discs and I just slide in a new standard two and a half inch or whatever or MVME whatever like you somehow can't some genius over there can't figure out how to make an MVME disc pop out like an SD card I mean give me a break 
come on, solve this problem. It's better for the environment. It's better for the consumer. Yeah, but is it better for their bottom line? Ah, you're right. I'm such an optimist. That's why I think my next rig, and I'm not joking, I think is going to be a framework. I know a couple people who swear by those, yeah. Yep. Brent really Brent got a 13-inch one, really likes it. Alex from Self-Hosted just got one, really likes it. He got the AMD one. He really likes it. He's running Linux on there. It's working good. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking that or maybe there's still a couple of the ThinkPads, like a, there's a 13-inch ThinkPad mm. right now that's, I think I'm feeling a smaller laptop too, you know, because I've been carrying around the 15-inch Max Pro as my, my laptop. And then at home, I have the 14-inch X1 Carbon, and I like that size a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see my next laptop being something like an Air. Yeah. Just because. Especially yeah. with the workstation. With the setup. workstation now. I don't need the. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm doing more and more because I've got all my devices on Tailscale. No longer a sponsor of the show, but uh, I still use the hell out of it. And I have since I have all my devices on Tailscale, it's like, well, okay, if I'm at home and I'm on my 14-inch ThinkPad and I want to do something that needs more lift, well, I'll just use my machine in the studio. It's not really a problem. Uh, I And I have it on a smart plug, so I can just power it up really quickly if I need it. So I, I feel like I'm getting more and more to that point where I think my next one's going to be a small one, probably a framework, and then just kind of just keep upgrading it, you know, every couple of releases if they just keep those motherboards compatible like they have so far. You know, maybe I'll do like the TikTok thing. I don't know. I think that could be my future. And then and then my more my computer budget goes into a workstation like you've done. I don't know if I'm going to go that baller, but, you know, I think that would what would be next. Well, it makes sense, especially if you're going to be traveling a lot, too. You kind of want a cheap laptop. God forbid it, like, you know, takes an IPA to the face or something. <laughs> Like, you don't want a you know, $3,000 MacBook Pro to... Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you to our members. The Coder QA crew made this episode possible, so shout out to them. Thank you, guys. CoderQA.co if you'd like to become a member. Um, you get uh, the Coder... Uh, well, I was going to say you get the Coder show ad-free, but... Well, I guess you you probably... Drew probably cuts out my pitches for, for joining the membership. Don't cut this one. Leave this one. In, well, they probably... I don't know. But generally... Uh, CoderQA.co plus you get the Coderly and get one of those out to you in the future. Uh, this episode, since we're pre-recording, doesn't feature any boost, but please do keep boosting those in. That's also a way to support each production directly at the amount that you're comfortable with. That's the idea with value for value. If you enjoy the conversation, you get some value out of some insights, or it makes you even just rethink something or reaffirm something, and you enjoy that, please consider supporting directly with a boost. You can get a new podcast app and boost that way, or just get Cash App or Strike. And scan the QR code on Fountain site and send your message. And it's really simple. We'll have links in the show notes. And we're uh, really grateful for everybody who supports this production. Thank you very much. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the people off into the new year? Uh, go to DominicM.com, my blog. I plan to write a predictions post if I ever can not get sucked into endless games of Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, for us, it's the uh, holiday crud going around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the wife's the wife's got it right now. I had it, thankfully, during the break. So, like, this is always what happens to me is I get sick during our breaks, and everybody's like, "Did you have a Did you have a great time off?" And I'm like, "Well, no, I I, I got sick." Do you like uh, the, the every few years I might actually take a vacation? Yeah, like every like yeah. four years or something. Oh yeah, I'm always sick when yeah. I go. Out of it. It's like it's like I always have a it's like real sick, like the flu. Like, what yeah. is it? Here's uh. what I want to know. Because the first couple of times I was like, oh, it's a coincidence. And now, now it's been like, I have gone right up to the line of near life and death. And the moment I stop working, like whatever that deadly thing that's about to kill me, 
all of a sudden takes me out. But like, and it's not until I stop the day I stop working that all of a sudden I become succumbed to it. Uh, what is that? My mom postulates maybe it's like some sort of ADD thing. Like I'm not paying attention to it. Mm. But I, I I'm genuinely would like to know. So boost in with that insight. If you experience this, what is that? Because I'd like to get ahead of it so that way when I take some time off, I know I don't spend that time off sick. <laughs> right. You're not like sitting in the camper or in my case, like the hotel room doing nothing. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, that's what happened when I went to El Salvador too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, there you go. A little old man radio for you. You know, I know that's what you come for. The show is uh, at Coda Radio Show on Weapon X. I'm at Chris LES. And you know what? Links to what we talked about today, that's on our website, coder.show slash 551. You'll also find our RSS feeds over there so you can subscribe in your app of choice or go to just coder.show slash RSS and look at the raw feed. We're back to our regular live time on Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern at jblive.tv. That's in your time zone at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Lots of great shows over there at the website, too. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>